as a reminder, super speed. I don't have it. I'm Eddie Webb. And I'm Chris Bybee. And today we're going to talk about Crisis on Earth X here on Genreless. Hello, welcome to our graceful exit from the Arrowverse as we wrap things up with a crossover miniseries, Crisis on Earth X. And I have to tell you, I almost went with even more non-secular quote of, you're out of milk. But I didn't. (laughs) I went with this one because it was the only line that made me actually laugh out loud during this whole scene. So the reason, though, that I suggested we do this one and not the one before it, which is the Dominators, which I think is a joke that we get in in one of the episodes we're going to talk about, is yes. because I think this one is more fun than that one is. I think it's fair. This is, this is actually, I, I, I think it's a good choice for a couple of reasons. Um, I feel like this is when the crossover format for the Arrowverse is really locked in. They, they know what they're doing. They do it well. And it's very much structured like a miniseries so like uh in some markets it was even just positioned as a miniseries so you watch the four episodes in isolation it's the fact that they're shoved into other shows is just kind of an afterthought um but it's not as dense and complicated as like crisis on infinite earths which i think is a six-parter mm-hmm. and requires a much deeper knowledge of not only all the shows going on but also just dc in general this is a pretty good middle place to kind of talk because this is honestly i don't want to say unique because i'm sure there's an example i'm not thinking of but it's pretty rare to have this exact style of crossover in television yeah and i will add on that this is the most superhero superhero thing we've ever watched in our superhero retrospective in my opinion to date nothing has felt more superhero than this crossover good or bad Honestly, there we, we talked about this uh, last week, but there are bits of it that kind of feel a bit Silver Age, even you know, mm-hmm. or Bronze Age at least. The, I mean, it's punching Nazis from a parallel universe is is a, a classic comic book kind of trope. Kirby will always support punching a Nazi, and I Indeed. agree with Kirby. Indeed, certainly the way this show put it together aired on the side of comic book as opposed to real world nazism and sometimes that led to some awkward moments which well i'm sure we'll talk about but in terms of just a collection of shows that really knows what it's doing after the last few shows i'll be honest this felt like a breath of fresh air i mean it it reminds (laughs) me why why near the end i was like why are we doing the arrowverse still i'm getting kind of tired of this but this was like, oh no, I remember why I loved these shows is because of this kind of stuff. Yeah. So are you going to break down every single hero that we encounter? In this no, film? listen to our previous episodes. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. It, it didn't have all the heroes though. I it, We'll come across them as we get to them, but uh, I, I did not do research on the Ray because I didn't know who that was. <laughs> and... Like half of the season six Arrow cast, I don't even know who they are except for Mad Dog, who's I just know he's terrible. 
you don't know who the greatest superhero in the world is. You don't know who Mr. Terrific is. I do know Mr. Terrific. I do not recognize this version of Mr. Terrific. That is because correct. I agree. <laughs> because this is the, the worst. The actor's certainly trying, but Mr. Terrific deserves better. Yeah. <laughs> but you forgot about the man himself, the man of steel. Can you believe they made that joke at Kara's expense? No, I I'm, I'm giving I, a spoiler. I, I, I 100% believe that. Just much as the up, up, and away joke happens. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's cheesy. This is what it comes down to. It's like, it's like, I, it, it's, it's cheesy. And sometimes it's a little annoying, but it's not, it, this is when the Arrowverse generally has its heart in the right place. I feel like it's, it's certainly trying. Um, and it is trying to emulate everything about these comics that are great. And what's, what's, what's interesting about these crossovers and this crossover in particular before diving, cause we have four episodes covered, so we have diving pretty quick, but this feels like a classic comic book crossover, but when you look at the structure, it's not, it's much closer to an event comic, like say uh, civil war or the actual crisis on infinite earths or actually any of the DC crisis things where it's a separate comic book line that happens to contain a lot of other comic events. And sometimes the individual comics will feed into that event and then repercussions will feed back out of the event, but it's its own separate thing. So the fact that it's actually stitched into the shows is kind of a weird moment, especially because it's episode eight of all of these shows. So it's like <laughs> just randomly, you know, seven weeks in, Oh, by the way, we're doing this thing now. Which does feel very comic book. Hey, whatever storylines you have, stop those for a moment. Do this thing, and then we're going to go back to your storylines. That's very comic book. And I loved it. Yeah, but I mean, I, but also like it had its own intro and outro for each of those episodes. If you watch them back to back like this, it just feels like you're watching a different show. It felt more like the Defender show we watched way back in the Netflix era than anything else but with a lot more heart and fun. So yeah, I mean, like it, it hit all the right notes while still being its own separate beast. It's, it's just this really cool, distinctive bit of television that I don't think we're ever going to see again anytime soon. No, I can't imagine how they'd pull it off, especially not now. Although you would expect more from Marvel given their massive budgets and writer, writers and everything else that they have, that they could pull it off. And I don't have the faith that they could. No, honestly for, for Marvel, the Avengers and then in future, the Thunderbolt movies are going to, are going to be those forms of it. But like the Captain America civil war movie was also kind of a version of this, but in that case, it was to the detriment of Captain America because like, it wasn't really a Captain America movie. Captain America was just the head of was basically the crossover movie. This is distinctive because it doesn't imply anyone has is supposed to be in front of it. Like, Yes, there's a Supergirl episode. Supergirl's not any more in it than anyone else. But well, but nobody has that. No one's getting preferential treatment. It's just four creative teams basically jammed their teams and budget together and made a made a, a kind of a, a jam show of four episodes before going back to their jobs. Um, and f- you could see that everyone from the, the crew to the cast on screen to the production people all seem to be just having a blast making the show. Yeah. So what, what, how are you going to kick us off? What happens first? So 
we saw a tease of this in one of our things, but prior to this, each show did have a little kind of bumper that led into Crisis on Earth X. But all that stuff gets recapped, so we're not going to necessarily go into that. So we're just going to dive into part one, Supergirl, season three, episode eight, unless you have something you want to cover before we go in. Uh, there, there are four episodes. I, I, I will riff my bits in later as we go. Okay. So first one. A Nazi regime rules the parallel world of Earth X, where an archer known as the Dark Arrow is the Führer and leader of a cabal known as the New Reichsmann. He seizes a temporal gateway from the Freedom Fighters, which enables travel to other universes. On Earth 1, Barry Allen and Iris West's friends, including Kara Danvers and Alex Danvers from Earth 38, come to Central City for Barry and Iris's wedding. Harry Wells, Cisco Ramon, and Caitlin Snow develop a serum to separate the Firestorm Matrix from Martin Steen and Jefferson Jackson. However, Jefferson is reluctant to give up being Firestorm, while Stein is thrilled the prospect of being able to live a normal life with his family. Oliver Queen reproposes to Felicity Smoke, but she is hesitant about marrying him. The wedding ceremony is interrupted by invaders from Earth-X, led by Dark Arrow, his Kryptonian wife, Overgirl, and the Earth-X analog of Prometheus. After Kara injures Overgirl and Alex and Sarah Lance capture Prometheus, the Nazis retreat. Dark Arrow and Overgirl, who are doppelgangers of Oliver and Kara respectively, discuss their next step with Fawn, Barry's speedster nemesis who was previously presumed dead. And this is just jammed <laughs> full of tropes. They're evil Nazis. They're in a parallel universe where the Nazis won World War II. There's a superhero wedding, which of course gets in, inter- interrupted by supervillains. Everyone who is on the opposite team is of course an evil doppelganger version of a hero. People that we thought dead are actually still alive. There's only one trope that box doesn't get checked and we will get to that in episode three. So <laughs> everything else, day one, checked off. Even more so, a, a spoiler, if you haven't watched The Flash, which you may not even know this, but they even have a time travel superhero trope in this episode. Yes. It's not related to the legends either. We get right. to meet Barry and Iris's daughter who comes up to Barry at the wedding. Oh, is like, that who that was? Okay. Future other Flash stuff down the road, like all crammed in there right there. I mean, I did see the, they did, I think it was this episode where they had the comment of like, um, how many times have you killed me, Barry? So like Thawne kind of referencing the fact he hasn't really been dead. I mean, it's just, it's just every, every, every cliche. But again, it's, it's done with so much, I keep saying heart, but it really is. It, it, it's, it's like, it's just like, no, this is just what you're here for and we're going to present it. We're not even going to apologize for it. It goes back to something that we mentioned before. It's a love of the medium that you're engaging with. If you love this thing so much, it can shine through in the work compared to someone that may not like it, but working on it. And that's why you need both of those different groups in a room to create a balanced thing. Cause if it was overly love and saccharine and too saccharine, we wouldn't like it either, but there's a nice balance. It's played and it leans heavily into it. But in my opinion, it never goes over the top. Right. Recently, I was talking with someone and we were trying to define the word camp and the best definition we kind of landed on is heightened seriousness. It's not parody, but it is a serious take on something, but it is extremely elevated to the point where 
it could tip over into humor and parody. And I feel like this is this is camp, right? It, it's the sense of, of course there's going to be a wedding. Of course you're going to casually jump universes to go to your friend's wedding. Of course <laughs> when Felicity says she doesn't want to get married, it's going to be said the most awkward time during the rehearsal dinner. You know, it's like there's almost no surprises in this. And but that's not what you're watching, at least this episode for. There will be twists later on, but this episode is just here to set up everything and get you on board with it. And so it just needs to go as hard as possible. So we start off with the color saturated Earth X where everything is red and black and it's night because it's always night because it's Earth X and it's evil. And the Dark Arrow, they all have masks, which are there because make them look evil, but also so that way the actors can have stunt people so they're both on screen together. Um, but they're also, they have red around the eyes and, and, and they have SS on their chest because that's what you do when you're Nazis. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. It's... And Oliver Queen is the Fuhrer. But you don't know that yet. That is our surprise. Right. You don't know. For all we know, that could have been John Barrowman under there as a dark archer. I mean, maybe. And the joy of it, though, is that if you're watching this, unless you're potentially us, you're watching, you've watched, what, six seasons of Arrow? Yeah. Three seasons of the other shows. And then you're coming into this. So you know these characters. You know their stories. You've lived, you've kind of lived with them as their unseen sidekick. And so you have all that that you're coming into this with and getting to see it. What's really amazing about this episode, though, is that it does give you just enough to follow along, right? Like, you would think this would be deep, deep, deep mythology. And like, okay, you you have to understand the storylines of like two dozen characters to get along with this. But they do a reasonably good job of quietly recapping everyone's arc it's usually in dialogue but like you know each hero gets a it's a power moment throughout the episode especially during the wedding fight everyone during the weather as everyone's gathering for the wedding they have conversations that allow them to recap all of their personalities and also their relation to key relationships with each other so i mean it's it's a really solid writing again nothing Unusual happens like, yes, there's the, the quote-unquote mystery of who the people from Earth-X are, but within five seconds, like, okay, they're obviously evil versions of the heroes we know. To the point where, like, you see boots hanging and a cape hanging off camera during this early scene, and it's like, okay, it's obviously Supergirl, come on. So, I mean, it, it, it's not a surprise, but if for some reason you said, you know what, I haven't watched Arrowverse, I want to start with a four-episode crossover, that would be a good place to start. <laughs> You're actually not nearly as lost as you think you would be. And it's a great way to do it. Like, if I hadn't seen any of these and I'd come into it, even with a vague knowledge of comics, it would have inspired me to go and watch these shows. Yeah, Because I would have wanted to know what would have happened. So, we, we, we hear about the Freedom Fighters, which, again, if you've read any comic books, you go, obviously these are these supervillains who are now mysteriously heroes because that's how these parallel universes always work. But we don't see any of that yet. We just know it's a bunch of people who are fighting against the, 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 the Nazis. But uh, they have a temporal gateway, which the Nazis then acquire so they can conquer other Earths. How did you like the shield versus arrow fight? That was a choice that was made. 
but it was neat to kind of it, it gives an opportunity to bring in some minor characters. It's like, oh yeah, the shield. I, I remember, I remember that. Uh, and it was a neat little kind of warm up fight for the, the bigger fight we see down the road. Um, but of course, it was like again, it's the of course Ollie jumps on top of a car and starts shooting people with arrows because that's just what you do every season of Arrow. You're gonna jump. Oliver Queen's gonna jump on a car and shoot people with arrows because bows and arrows are more effective than guns or anything else that they have. Right. Exactly. So the wedding, there is a fun moment where Supergirl and her sister talk about whether they're going to go to the wedding. And at no point is it the, let's talk about the, the repercussions traveling to the universe or the consequences of it. No, it's straight up just, man, I'm just not feeling it. And I sympathize with Kara on different, there's been times where it's like, I should go because I'm so, everyone expects me to be there. But I don't want to get off, off the couch right now. And I just want to deal with people. And I was just like, man, I, I sympathize that way too hard. It, on one level, it's funny and kind of kind of jokey that they just have a device that lets them jump between worlds. But if we stop and think about the organization that Kara and her sister work for, that is something that they would potentially have. And I can't even remember if they made it or if it came from something that Cisco made that they gave to them in, in another Cisco crossover. Made it and gave it to I, th- I think Cisco made it for them, yeah. And it is so powerful that it casually fits in a pocket. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, just, it's like the car keys. Boop, boop. And we get a recap of Alex, who's Kara's sister's like story about her girlfriend that she just lost. Now all that's new, which is uh, a nice touch because that lets that sort of hints if you know that Sarah's showing up, that potentially yep. something may happen between Alex and Sarah, which builds in another little subplot that we'll get to see throughout these episodes. And that's a moment where the casual inclusiveness of the CW adds an interesting additive effect, right? Because the CW formula at this stage is basically, and we talked about this before, there's one or two people of color, there's one queer person, they may have one queer relationship, but each show has one or two of those, that's it. But when you shove them all together, you start to get some interesting ad effects. In this case, you have the fact that we have two women who are, are queer on some level, potentially can run into each other and, and develop a, a relationship between these shows. And that kind of just casually showing that there's more than just the token queer relationship in a show makes it feel much more lived in and and weirdly real than in this extremely unreal scenario. Because you're right. It's the, Oh, it's a crossover show and Alex is broken up right now. So yeah, she might run into, of course it's like the the other, you know, lesbian, but I mean, it's on one level. It's like, but I mean, the thing is, is that it it shows that there's, 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 different permutations and that they can exist and, and interact with each other. And while on one level it feels, I would say a little trope that that does happen, but it is great. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me, that it does happen to show that it was an intentionality to it and they're providing representation on screen. And it, I love it. I also love the fact that it's just a one night stand. And it's the, you go to a wedding and you make out with someone you think is attractive and you maybe make some bad decisions. And it's like, yes. And it's presented completely straight. And the fact that it is a, a gay relationship is completely irrelevant to the more interesting human story that happens there. Mm-hmm. 
And it just reinforces that White Canary is the best Jack Harkness. <laughs> but it also reinforces each of their personalities by the aftermath of like how each of them handle that situation. Right. And you get Sarah being Sarah, who is, I think, the coolest character in like all the Arrowverse. And then you have Alex, who is in a different place emotionally and tra- in transitioning in her life. And so that sort of shows how that would impact her. And it's not the same story. It's different stories that have a similar track they're traveling on. Right. And what's great about it is that because in each of their respective shows, they are a lead. There's not a one person is being diminished to illustrate a particular relationship. Like so often in these relationships, it's the, 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 the running trope of um, the, the girlfriend dies, right? It's the, if you're in a, uh, two women in a relationship, uh, a romantic relationship, one of them is going to die because that's very much an ongoing trope in queer media or not, no, sorry, non-queer media that see that. Um, but because they're both leads, that's not going to happen. So it's the, okay, it, now there's just, and neither one's going to be like on the bad side of the relationship. Neither one's going to be a problem. So it's just two people we both like just kind of not being on the same page. And so it makes it much more interesting to follow than so many other ways these sh- relationships have been presented. Mm-hmm. And we we get what would be, I guess, the comical scene in the nail salon where they realize they can't do Kara's nails too badly. <laughs> and like, on the one hand, yes, it sucks that all the women are ultimately talking about men. And it's like, uh, and, and to be fair, that's an ongoing problem with this whole crossover is that most of the time, with, with Sarah being one of the few exceptions, if there are two women in the scene, they're probably talking about their feelings about a man. And that's a very much an ongoing threat through all of us. But A, these are a bride and her bridesmaids before weddings. That's going to be a natural topic of conversation. B, many of them are in romantic problems because they're CW shows. So it's a chance to recap all of those dynamics. And C, it is, like I said, balanced with Kara just being so excited to be part of this because she's a chance to do this. And forgetting that maybe she shouldn't be getting her nails done when you're a Kryptonian. <laughs> and we, I guess we should take a step back. And we also get your your boy, Ollie, fighting ninjas like it's nothing while he's on the phone. While they're saying that they forgot to basically send in their wedding invite. How rude is that? Heads down, having been married and sent out wedding invitations before to wait on someone you know what? They wouldn't be in. They wouldn't come to the wedding if they didn't send it the day before. It would hands down not going to happen. Like, right? And I mean, and also like, uh, uh, it happens with Kara too. It's like you know, people just having casual conversations while they're having super fights. But again, it's a very economical way of showing what these characters can do for people who may not be familiar with it. While also, to your point, kind of poking fun at last year's crossover, where Kara's like. <laughs> These guys are still around. Oh, God, they're so last year. Because they were literally last year's crossover villain. <laughs> and I'm like, I see what you did there, Kara. And you know what? That's fine. You could do that. You're amazing. I'm here for it. And <laughs> in a funny way, I mean, because this is the Supergirl episode. It kind of, We talked before about like season one. It's like, you know, it was okay. We kind of liked it. I maybe watch more. But after, at this point, it's like, I, I should go back and watch Supergirl. Because I was like, I'm really into this much more confident Kara, right? I feel like mm-hmm. she's done better in this crossover than she was done in her own show in season one. In some of the later seasons too. So maybe it's just this crossover where she gets a really nice meaty role. Because she's talking about Monel and that was a whole other 
subplot in Supergirl, and it was not good, and it diminished Kara. So they brought in Monel, who's basically Ultra Boy, if I remember right, in a sense. And so he had kind of her power set, but it's meh. <laughs> All right. But I, I think what this crossover is doing, and again, when we get to the um, Caitlin Cisco Wells dynamic, and how they're developing a serum to separate the Firestorm Matrix by continuing these little kind of crossover moments, it's giving you a chance to see the best parts of each of these shows. It's like, yes, you're seeing the fantastic scientific support team for the Flash show, and they're helping out with the really cool scientific team from the Legends show, and they're focusing on a science problem. And it's a low-stakes science problem, but it shows you, look at all these people who can do science so hard. They're so good. <laughs> They're so sciencey. I'm waiting for you to make a science Voltron. Something happened over there. Uh, no, no, no. I'll get to that. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get to the Voltron joke, <laughs> if I remember, which I probably won't. But it, it, it shows that while – I mean, on the one hand, it also is just walking up the line making fun of its own formula – because it's like, let's put all of the love interests together. Let's put all of the science people together. It's like, look, we have the exact same archetypes in every single Soviet show. Now we're putting them all in the same space. Isn't that fun? <laughs> but also it shows that there actually is a pretty diverse set of characters in those spaces. Um, because Stein is much different from Wells, even though they're both the older science mentor. Uh, Jefferson and Cisco are very different, even though they're the you know person of color science sidekick. But I mean, you know, we're seeing, okay, these actually have personalities and they all kind of like each other, which is another neat touch of like, they're not sniping or antagonistic. It's the, oh, look, it, it, this is the time we get together once a year and we have wacky adventures. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I like these people. That's right. I do remember these people. They are cool. And I love hanging out with them. I guess we can go to the scene that you've been trying to get to that I've derailed us from the, the wedding scene. And it's not that important. It's just like a minor blip of the episode. Honestly, it's funny, like the wet the wedding scene we've talked about before. I don't think either of us is like super invested in Barry and Iris's relationship. So the They're actual, siblings. The act the fact they're actually getting married is meh. It is just the setting for the stuff that I care about. And so like there's lots of little moments of like the wedding party and who you know who's doing what like frankly the best line leading up to it is uh, the guy coming in and it's like I with the bride of the groom and say, well, I've tried to kill both of them. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that, that, that's fair. Rory is basically, and to be fair, Rory is just the comic relief for this whole crossover. I don't think that's bad, but he's not going to have a large role. And I'm, there's one part where that's bad. I'll get to later, but Rory just kind of bringing his a game in terms of just the one liners. And that was a great one. But the wedding is really just a setup for a whole bunch of heroes getting to punch things. And we I that. still, I still love though when they, when Rory is sitting beside the police chief, and there's a realization on both their parts, like that comic goal. You have the police chief and his husband, and then Rory sits there. He's like, "Is that a friend from work?" Yes, yes. Which just reinforces that Rory is fantastic at being unrepentantly a criminal even though he's not actually a criminal at all and it just brings it, it, it he is a fantastic addition to not only legends but this whole cast by just 
being that viewpoint of like, look at how ridiculous this is. Look at how uncomfortable this is. Where is his fire gun? Tell me, Eddie. He doesn't have superpowers. Tell me where's that gun? It is in the same place that Optimus Prime's trailer trailer goes. <laughs> Which is we don't talk about his face. <laughs> anyway, so uh, there is a subplot of Stein wants to live with his uh, wife and daughter, and so he wants to stop being Firestorm. Jefferson's want doesn't want to stop being Firestorm. I'm not a fan of this plot. I will say I'm a fan of where it ends up. Uh, but at this stage, it really comes across like Jefferson's just being kind of whiny. Not helped by the fact that Stein's like, well, I, f- I figured out a formula that you'll have superpowers, but they'll be stupid superpowers. And it's like, <laughs> come on. It, Who doesn't yes, want to stick to stuff? I mean, okay, we got a great Spider-Man joke in there, I guess. But I use great in the worst possible sense. And also... It is a little too far. It was just like, this is supposed to be actually a pretty serious moment and you bring a joke into it. So it's like maybe a bit overplay here. But in the, in, on the other side, the Felicity being awkward gag does plan better for me. Of Felicity being flustered and accidentally being to let's say, I don't want to marry you. Because Felicity has pretty consistently been really awkward socially and flustered by her relationship with Oliver. Uh, so that actually builds off of stuff established earlier, whereas Stein constantly oscillates between being very socially aware and being completely socially oblivious. So I, I chalk up bad writing, but Felicity's always been kind of like, just not sure what to do with Oliver. Uh, and so that actually, I think played well. But would well, anyone know what to do with Ollie? Ollie just know what to do with Ollie. <laughs> so for the Stein and Jefferson relationship, I have many thoughts and some a lot of them were vocalized when we first talked about legends. But I do like how it transi- how the relationship transitioned over like those two or three seasons to get to here. Yes. Right. But I do have problems with the execution that's going on, but the heart of it is something that I like and understand. And I may not remember it later from the mention now, but having grown up without a father or father figure, I can understand Jefferson's perspective of having now lost it after having acquired it. Yeah, no, uh, that, that I think that's why I'm frustrated by this episode specifically, because you've seen that these characters have grown well together. Like, like there's an actual chemistry with these two actors and they're actually a really good team. And so the fact that this is handled a little awkwardly is, is a bit frustrating, but and I, it, goes, I say, it goes good places. I think this is just this I'm poking in this episode because I feel like it gets better from here. I don't, for me, I don't think it's bad writing. I think it is consistent with what we've seen of Stein in every episode Stein showed up in Stein thinks of Stein first and everyone else secondarily. So he's mm. not necessarily processing your emotions or how you're taking something. He took the lead for when they're going to the terrorist place. He kidnapped Jefferson to come here because what he wants to do, and he does that first, and then there's kind of a reflection, like an intellectual reflection later that, hmm, maybe that wasn't the best thing to have done. And I think he goes through that journey over these four episodes. Okay. All right. I can, I can possibly see that. Smart more guy be too smart. 
More importantly, however, I do want to point out, uh, the minister who gets vaporized is played by William Catt. Who's that? I don't know. William Catt is the actor who played the lead in the amazing show, The Greatest American Hero. <laughs> I, I don't know. You're going to have to sing me a few riffs of that theme song to, to have it sco- land for me. Uh, no. <laughs> Google it if you want to hear the song. But... <laughs> We talked before about how the Flash specifically, but really the Arrowverse in general, loves to cram in little cameos and and act casting choices as not quite gags, but uh, uh, loving homages. And this is definitely another one of those. It's like now we're homaging other just classic, classic is an old superhero live action shows. <laughs> I think Lou Ferrigno was in as a guest star in one of these shows too at one point. I would like be surprised. I, I feel like I remember that happening. But anyway, so Nazis show up, Nazis fight, Nazis retreat. It's basically the, most of the rest of this episode. Wait, 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 wait. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're you underplaying the gloriousness of that. So they vaporize the greatest American hero. And right. then you get that dramatic, what was that? And everyone turns and there are fucking Nazis. You don't like just wipe over that like it's nothing. That is fucking huge. Nazis, a few with superpowers and a bunch with guns. And we get probably one of the best fight scenes I think we've seen to date in the show. And you have superheroes who are in their civilian identities acting without worrying about the populace knowing who they are. Like that is a heroic moment. Like, I'm throwing away my life to save all of you now from fucking Nazis. And that could have destroyed all of their lives going forward. For Supergirl and Alex, eh, we're going to go to Earth-38 and catch y'all later. But, like, Barry, Ollie, who I can't remember, may have been exposed, may not have been exposed after Gunn took over Arrow Roll for a while. But And the police chief is there, so that's for Barry, who gives away his entire identity and everyone else. Like, that's a, a huge moment that they do. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was being facetious to, to get that reaction interview. So, so well played. We are a team. But yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's a, it's a big, it's a big dumb superhero fight, but it's not dumb in the sense that you're right. There, there's actually plots move ahead, uh, and some interesting character stuff happens. There's real stakes in this crossover, and. It's, I don't know, I don't know production behind the scenes, but I feel like the budgets for all the shows were added together because you're right. The, the, the fight scene does feel like there's a lot more money thrown into it and it just yeah. looks and feels really, really cool. And we get the fact that Overgirl is more powerful than Supergirl from that fight. Yep. We get Supergirl doing my favorite, like hands down, my favorite super strong superhero move, like the thunderclap. That is yeah. My favorite to ever see it. And which, side note of interest, if Clark was here, I wonder how he would have handled that super clap because his superpower is super hearing. But digressing, <laughs> gonna, gonna punch, I'm punching down at Superman and Lois. I apologize. I could help myself. And you get Cisco warping people around. You get a good glimpse of all their powers and Barry like catching bullets, Ollie shooting arrows. I, I will always like on Ollie, but. I like it. Right. And you get to see Alex and Sarah both being badasses and understanding how amazingly competent each of them is together in a situation. Yeah. Right. So a nice little 
dynamics between each team member. And the other thing that was interesting is that because this is not the first time these folks have crossed over, I mean, these characters not only have relationships with each other, even the fight scene, there's a very natural fighting chemistry between a lot of these characters. And we see more of that as we move on, but uh, it's it's not like they're tripping over each other. They, they all just kind of just leap right into action. So so yeah, it, it it all just it's a very satisfying scene. And this is a bit of a digression. I want to talk a little bit about Nazis in comics because there's a long history of Nazis being the villains in comics. And there was a point where Nazis are kind of almost the cliche villains in comics. It's the, oh, it's, it's the easy, almost jokey uh, villain because, you know, it's been so overdone. I, I feel like for a lot of reasons we've wrapped around on that and this is a really good moment. But the nice thing about Earth X about this is that so many of all of these shows sometimes have very complicated nuanced relationship between the villains and the heroes and like, you know, yes, Thrawn killed my mother, but he went back in time. And if he didn't go back in time, maybe, you know, all the blah, 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 blah. Or I need to kill the dark archer, but he's secretly my buddy's father and whatnot. Having just some villains that you go, Nope, those are Nazis. We're no, no more discussion. We need, to, we need to stop those guys. And that just being the thread throughout yeah, at no point in time do we go, maybe we should talk to the Nazis or maybe we should, you know, work with them. No, it's no, those are the bad guys. We need to stop them. And from from second one, there's something that's a little actually satisfying about that because the, then that the space that that frees up to focus on the characters we care about sets an interesting tone. It's again, like this fight scene, it's like not just showed up. Okay. We attack them. There's no commiseration or debate on the point. And so we can free that up for just more cool fight choreography. Mm-hmm. I have Anything to ask you this question about- again. Oh, go ahead. Where did Rory's flame gun come from in that fight? Oh we talked about this. We get a so big glance of just him in a jet of fire, fire like burning a Nazi. Like he didn't have it when he showed up. He didn't have it when he sat down. It would have been uncom- uncomfortable when he sat with it next to the police chief. Where did it come from? Okay, now I will say, of any character who would absolutely pack a giant flame gun to a funeral and sit with it uncomfortably just to make sure he had it, it would be Rory. Agreed, hundred <laughs> percent. So I think he totally had that gun the whole time. Absolutely said that makes the police chief with a fire gun <laughs> because he could. And we we can move on to the the absolute next scene because I want to give a shout out to the flashy device that we have not seen since the first episode of Legends that Rip used to erase everyone's memory. Oh, that's it's right. Used here offhandedly, say, yep, we erased all their memories. Flash, flash, flash. Never mentioned again that weapon. Right. Because, again, the reason why we did this is because we want to have a cool fight in a wedding. And we don't really want to deal with the consequences of that, so blah, 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 flashy thing, move on. And, the show again, the show's just, like, very confident about it. This is not the debate we're going to have. There's other debates we're going to have. This ain't the one we're having, so we're just going to move on from this. There are no consequences from this fight. Okay. It helps that the show has other consequences on the table and puts those on the table pretty fast. 
Mm-hmm. This is not where his consequences hit. So we can have a nice fun fight here because consequences start to build up over the next few parts. So, so yeah, overall, this is a very, I mean, yeah, we talk about the next steps and we realize, oh, okay, they're actually secretly evil, evil people, although evil Flash is actually Thrawn and not Barry. But yeah, basically that's, it's all, this is all set up and it's fun, unapologetic set up. And it even tells us more about the verse Flash's character is that he is still so evil that he would go and work with Nazis. Right, right, like, right. It's not different, different Thawne. It's ours from like our Earth that Barry's constantly fought with. That guy went to Nazi Earth to help Nazis come here. Right. Because fuck that guy. Evil. <laughs> okay. Arrow, season six, episode eight, part two. In Star Labs, Prometheus reveals himself as Tommy Merlin's evil ex-doppelganger and taunts Oliver for taking a suicide pill out of loyalty to the Fuhrer, who is also Ollie. Harry reveals that through his exploration of the multiverse, he discovered that Earth-X's dystopian world where World War II is not won by allied forces. Dark Arrow, Overgrow, and Thawne steal an experimental sublight generator, the Prism, from a research company. Oliver's team, along with Harry, Killer Frost, Cisco, and Mickey Rory, are held captive at Star Labs after the Nazi forces occupy it. Oliver, Barry, Sarah, Martin, Jefferson, and Alex are taken to a concentration camp on Earth-X, where Kara is moved to Star Labs. Overgirl is dying from a disproportionate solar irradiation in her heart, because sure, why not? And Doc Arrow's plan is to use the prism powered by Star Labs' particle accelerator to create an artificial red sunlight that can weaken both Kara's vulnerability, allowing Thawne to transplant Kara's heart to Overgirl. <laughs> Have I not mentioned this is the most comic book, comic book show we've ever comic book talked about? This is so much proper noun bullshit. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for all of it. Okay, so we start off. Prometheus is like, oh, I'm, it's, it's a great chance for Tommy Merlin to come back. Because Tommy Merlin has been dead for five seasons now. And so it's like, oh, cool, it's Tommy Merlin again. Always evil. And there was a great little moment of like, I cared you. I love about your brother. But you're weak. And then he's a, <laughs> he has a poison pill in his tooth because it's 1940 and he chews on it and dies and Oliver doesn't know how to do the fast open on the, the supercell which <laughs> they had these supercells in Star Labs for years now and they never figured out a quick open button because they always get stuck on it they always get stuck in them this show reminded me about something that we didn't touch on when we did the flash because I don't think the supercells came into it <clears throat> but Think about the moral gray area the Flash characters live in. I know they're saying hope and shiny and everything else. Right. They capture metahuman people and put them in cages. Oh, yeah. And leave it like walls and just walls and walls of cages. That's what they do. Like, that's their day job. There's no due process. There's nothing else in it. You're you're too dangerous. We're going to capture you and put you here. And we skipped over a lot of seasons of Flash, but there's a, a one season at least where there's a character stuck into a cell for several episodes. So it's not even the, oh, they get put away and then taken off to an actual proper department. No, no, no. They're just keeping a guy in their basement for long periods of time. And look at the cells. There are no TVs. There is not a lot of space in there. I don't no even toilet. think there's a bed. There, there's a floor. Like, that's it. You're... You're in a, what, three-by-three three room. 
The only thing that would be even more cliche if it was for some inexplicable reason a giant glass cube like all supercells are in most media. Well, so Magneto can't get out. Right, because there's no metal. Oh my god. Okay, quick question. Favorite supercell in media? Oh my god. <laughs> the ones in the vault with the power depressors. Power depressors, because you have your full cell. You got like a little bed in there. They have toilets that they don't have in here. But you have no superpowers. I think mine is the one they put Loki in in the Avengers movie because it's the if you decide to take over our mind, we're just going to drop you from like a million miles in the air. But that's not going to kill Loki. But it's, and now you've just unleashed your problem on the rest of the world. That's why Bad I love it. Eddie. Bad that's Eddie. Why, no, that's why I love it because like it is. It's like. What is the worst possible way we can imprison someone? Short of like just not bothering. <laughs> but then that goes back to our original talk about comic book Nick Fury. Worst spy ever. <laughs> he really is. He's so bad. Okay, so uh, Harry reveals that uh, he's explored the multiverse and this is of the 52 Earths. I'm going to pause there. DC at this point in time was obsessed with the fact there are only 52 Earths in the multiverse. Except for all of the times when there are more than 52 of them. But this one is so evil. It's a secret 53rd Earth that no one talks about. And they call it Earth X because it's so evil. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like Earth 10. No, no, it's evil. Who talks about it? What book is it written in that's Earth X? The 53rd Earth. That's the Earth, of, the Earth of Harry, apparently. <laughs> I don't even remember which Wells this is, because the running gag in Flash is like every season, I think, there's a new Harrison Wells. I Until believe, they get a council of Wells. I, I think this is the uh, Harry Wells that came back after the season one Harrison Wells, who actually came from when, when Barry started going through the multiverse and brought this guy back. He was trapped in a couple different multiverses. I think this is, cause this is the Harry Wells that's not as smart as the original Harrison Wells and also is slightly more of a jerk than the original Harrison Wells somehow. So definitely not earth Two Harrison Wells, whose daughter was also a speedster. No, 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 no. This is a different. He went back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, there are a lot of, there are a lot of Wells. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, so Dark Arrow, Overgirl, and Thought. Now, now, to be fair, Dark Arrow and Overgirl never actually said those names, but if you watch the subtitles, those are the titles they're given, so it's even better. Uh, but they steal the prism from a research company. And and again, it's just the, we need this thing called the prism. It's over there. Okay, we got it now. It's basically what it comes down to. <laughs> and I'm for, honestly, I'm for that. It's just like, okay, we don't care about this part of the, the bad guys need a thing, and now they have a thing. Great. Let's go. But this is where your line came from, where we have the great scene of Bear running in, <laughs> Supergirl landing, and there's this long, like, 10, 15 second pause. Like, what are we waiting on? Oh, is that a headlight? No. <laughs> the, best, the best part about that scene is Barry and Kara show up. They look at each other. We cut to the microphone, the motorcycle. We look back to see Barry looking at his wrist where there's no watch. <laughs> So Barry is trolling Oliver, and I'm here for it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that was the best. Uh, but yes, I mean, but the thing is that, again, this is the kind of a, a, unlike the the wedding fight, this is kind of a very short, perfunctory fight. Because we want to show that like, the, the heroes aren't going to always win. And say, okay, so actually the get a good chunk of them get captured. And they're held in Star Labs in the 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 the, the secret vaults that they have made and do not have their own way of getting out of. And my, the best part of this is like, okay, so uh, Harry Wells has some kind of vaguely defined ability to travel the multiverse. So he has superpowers, but it's kind of vague. Killer I Frost. He had a device. He had like, I thought he had a, a Jack Harkness. Do, 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 do. It was kind of vaguely implied that he may, he may also have an ability to do it inherently, but it was vague. So I could, I could see why just out of caution, you put him in a cell. Great. Killer Frost, when she gets matter scared and she's now both of those things, she becomes a nice character. Yes, put her in a vault. Cisco is vibe and can, you know, travel different locations. So yeah, put him in the power deputy cell. Rory has a gun. A flamethrower that we have previously established he can pull from everywhere. Is it a secret power that he can pull his gun from anywhere? But how, do you dampen his ability to pull a secret flamethrower from anywhere? Is that what's happening? Why is he in the cell? He's an asshole, and you have to get rid of him somehow. You don't want him just hanging around, like, cuffed in the room being a dick. Fuck that. I would have let you annoy your friends other than us. It's also implied that he's drunk at this point, too. <laughs> it is after the wedding. Yes, it implies he's drunk or hungover. So, like, he's just kind of in a cell passed out for most of the scene. <laughs> it's it just sad that we have all these superheroes and one of my favorite characters is Rory. And then, so Oliver, Barry, Sarah, Martin, Jefferson, and Alex take it to a concentration camp on Earth-X. Now, Earth-X, it is 2019 on Earth-X. It's been 70 years since the Nazis have taken over the world. And apparently they have not figured out how to update A, concentration camp technology, and B, the uniforms that people wear in concentration camps. There's still the black and white stripes you see in like Looney Tunes cartoons. Because it's the 1940s. I I have nothing to say about that. I will say, though, that I am not surprised where they brought in Harry Dresden, though. Yes. As as the... uh, uh, that's actually part three. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's kind of oh, sorry. That, that's that's fine. I just no, I just no, look at my notes and say, oh wait, no, we ain't got to me yet. I I take all that back. That's fine. No, we'll get, leave it in. It's okay. And then of course we have the uh, red sunlight because that weakens the power, so we can actually do the surgery. Think about that. Thawne can build that. Yep. Lex Luthor cannot build that. Other yep. Kryptonians cannot build that. But. Why thought? Well, I take it back. No, a Kryptonian can build that because that was where we left the um, Superman and Lois. Was that Superman uh, was under the red sunlight? You're right. Thank you. Right. But I'm Luther gonna... cannot. You're correct. Thawne is officially smarter than Lex Luthor. Now, now in my head canon, Thawne stole that from the Kryptonians. Got it. I, you know what? That's plausible. Maybe, maybe in Earth X, they killed the Kryptonians and stole that. Can we? Can we also take a minute to think about the the depth of their plot here? Is to extract one heart and give it to someone else like that that is a whole reason for the entire four episode series arc here yeah so indiana jones style i actually kind of like the fact that it's like thawne's like so we could just take over this whole planet right and like you know there's like other things you could be doing here and eva ollie's like no but heart 
And it's like, well, okay, yes, but we have an entire army. We could just get a lot more than a heart, right? Like, there's just so much stuff we could do here. And you all like, no heart. And even like evil Kara is like, okay, yes, I'm dying and that kind of sucks, but maybe we should do more than just give me a heart. Like, no, 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 heart. <laughs> why, why do we put this guy in charge? But it's like, it's like dissension in the ranks, but it's just so over the top and ridiculous. And it's a, it's a wonderful. But it, what stops on then from in later killing Ali once Overgirl is under the red light? Because we've already have a scene of them having a fight almost. And the only reason it doesn't go down with like hand through Ollie's chest is because Overgirl is there. Right. Right. And the kryptonite arrow. <laughs> we've established that Ollie is Batman for this universe. Yes. Yes. And I love the fact that Kara asked the correct question of why do you have a kryptonite arrow? And Ollie's correct answer is in case there was an evil you, obviously. <laughs> because Oliver Queen lives in the DC universe and knows how this works. <laughs> or he needed to kill Batwoman because only one thing can pierce the bat suit. Boom! I'm out, folks. I'll see you next week. But you bring up a good point, like, because in Batwoman, they said this is the last piece of, of kryptonite, except for the other piece that I kept. And it's like, but Oliver apparently has an entire set of arrows with kryptonite. Maybe oh, they're on a different Earth. It's, 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 Earth. it's Earth 12 kryptonite. I don't know. They took one of the Earths and just mined it for kryptonite. Careful. Trademark that. DC, you can't have it. <laughs> okay. Anything else about episode two? Or do you want to get right to the Harry Dresden? I, I want to get to Harry Dresden. Like that. That's where I, I'm, I'm Jones to go. <laughs> okay. Our, our man, Paul Blackthorne. The Flash, season four, episode eight, part three. In the concentration camp, the heroes are rescued from execution at the hands of SS Sturmbannführer Quentin Lentz by Ray Terrell and Leo Snart, Leonard Snart doppelganger. Thawne prepares to operate on both Overgirl and Kara, and Iris and Felicity work to rescue their friend to Star Labs. General Wynne Schott, the commander of the Freedom Fighters, is determined to strand Dark Arrow and Overgirl on Earth-1 by destroying the temporal gateway. While posing as Dark Arrow, Oliver discovers that the Nazis possess a doomsday device in the form of a time ship called the Weldon Rider, a militarized equivalent of the Wave Rider. That's not even the correct German. <laughs> Oliver allows a time <laughs> ship to enter Earth-1 to avoid jeopardizing his cover, but is ultimately exposed when he refuses to kill Felicity's Earth-X doppelganger, a concentration camp prisoner. The heroes struggle against both the Freedom Fighters' Red Tornado, deployed by shot as a failsafe, and the Nazi forces, and Martin opens the gateway at the cost of being mortally wounded. Oh man, there's so much to unpack here. So, yes, we start with Quentin Lance is inexplicably German, and like all good Germans in media, has an English accent. Well, duh. We all know <laughs> that like they're the villains in every single show and every single series. You watch Doctor Who, the Doctor shows up somewhere randomly, totally disrupts a tyrannical government and then scarpers back off. That government was doing what it was meant to do, <laughs> torture and kill people. And then the doctor and his English accent show up to kill, to destroy it. So right. evil, evil British German, evil British German, Nazi <laughs> enforcer, police captain, Sarah Lance's father. I couldn't even say that. Whole thing to it's, 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 
it's so goddamn random and it's just like it really came down to I, I feel like they've written the scripts and they started shooting it's like fuck we're gonna football blackthorn wait don't we have a nazi part we need to fill <laughs> and paul's like sure whatever i'll do it <laughs> and it's, it's great it's great he's so he evil killed at it he killed at he did. it he did. It's so awesome. It's like, why is, why is, I had a daughter like you once and I got rid of her. I purified my bloodline. It's just like, go, you go for it, Paul. You just chew that scenery, man. <laughs> Over the top evil for evil's sake. And it, and I, I'm loving the beats, how you have your evil Nazi characters having the, what you think is going to be a moment that maybe our heroes are so good. They will change this evil person that grew up in this, evil society and have it get up there and then they add on that little extra twist at the end and i killed her or or tommy you're weak yes right it's like i'm, I'm gonna draw you in, i'm gonna draw you in no i'm evil and it's, oh, it's great because that in of itself is another blow against our heroes and their morale like that is that's good writing good right. over the top cheesy writing and, and because it's the well these are doppelgangers people would care about so it's like we you, they, i want to care about them so i'm gonna draw you in briefly and then just show you how evil i am so no 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 back to hating nazis okay cool it's like there's a half second or maybe you're flickering as soon as you get that moment where you're having doubt we're gonna crush that and then, no no they're absolutely evil make no mistake so it's just relentlessly like no no you you do not like these guys we make sure you're super clear at every single point we don't like nazis and that goes to something i think we, Jesus, I mean, I mentioned our first episode about Star Trek. We're at a point in time where you need to be blunt with things. You can't just make like illusions and get people if they're out. No, you need solid, definitive, this is what it is. Yep. And this did it. And I'm glad to say that after, what, 80 odd episodes, we, we've gotten <laughs> here and uh, in a podcast. Nice knowing you, Eddie. Bye. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, we finally figured out how bad bad guys work. So I want to talk about Ray and Leo. This is a lot I want to talk about. First of all, I spent this entire episode going, "Who is Ray supposed to be? I don't. What superhero is Ray? What? What, what is Ray. Ray? And it's like literally the Ray. And I'm like the Ray. Oh, yeah, of course, um, of course. If I was really my completionist self, which I'm only like ninety percent completionist, one of the things that we would have done is that Ray animated show. I didn't even know that existed until you just mentioned it. <laughs> I think it was either a movie or a series that died very quickly. We we did we did miss the very brief Vixen animated show, which also is part of the Arrowverse. Yeah, like That's there there's it. some things that even even I and my completion itself said so we're just not going right. to. So I don't have enough emotional investment to know how accurate the Ray is, but the fact that he shoots beams of light and is bright seems to be accurate. What little I know of the character, so sure we'll say it's one hundred percent comic accurate. And the, the specific reason for my earlier Doctor Who joke is that we have a Doctor Who alum playing the Ray. Yep. That was nice to see. It's great. And then Leo. One, always glad to see Snark come back, right? <laughs> Two, him being gay is amazing for a lot of reasons. Not least of which is that now 100% support for the Snark Rory fanfic. It's definitely <laughs> happened. But also to make him an uptight rules following hero 
but with the exact same voice and inflection is just so good. <laughs> He's a snide, irritating asshole who's also lawful good now. <laughs> it's just so amazing. And it's pulled off in a way that you're still rooting for him, even though you're annoyed for him the whole time. Yes, because this actor, he plays just one character, but he plays it so well. <laughs> Leo Snart does not change. And I love the fact that in this multiverse of 52 plus one shadow Earth, that Leo Snart changes not one bit. He will do completely different things. He will be on completely different sides. But Leo Snart is indelible. He is the same across the entire multiverse. <laughs> Oh. And there was a nice little bit about the, you know, why are you here? Because I love the wrong person thing. And it's like, it's, it's kind of reminding, oh yeah, by the way, Nazis just really hated everyone. Just, just complete shit bags. Yeah. Hands down. Then we have the, uh, uh, yeah, Thon tries to operate. There's some, there's some evil cackling. Um, uh, there's a bit about, Thawne trying to tell Overgirl, what if the, the fear her loses sight of his goals? And it's like, well, then I will I will die if I have to, to, to make sure he understands the, the Reich and blah, 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 blah. And this is Iris and Felicity's moment, though, where they, yeah. they stop the operation from happening with no superpowers and just like going through the largest, like largest ventilation system I've ever seen. So gigantic. If, if they had that in Die Hard, they would have instantly gone to that ventilation system to hunt down Bruce Willis. But neither here nor <laughs> there. I think that is what Cisco did. Instead of building an escape route from the cages, they built a large ventilation system so they could avoid being captured if their base is invaded. Ah, there we go. So yeah, that's how it's canon accepted. There we go. Uh, but no, it was great to see them each sort of play on the strengths of their characters. Felicity gets to put in like a big elect, uh, computer hack that even Thawne can't undo, who's even though Thawne is super smart. So it's nice to see them getting to do something in this show. Yeah. Particularly Iris, because Iris um, very much has a tendency to be kind of just the, the girlfriend, or in this case, now the wife. So getting her to actually do something is, is kind of nice. Uh, and then we see a uh, uh, evil wind shot is actually a good wind shot. And it took me like a minute to go. Wait a minute. Who's wind shots? Oh, right. He's the guy who wants to bang Kara in Supergirl. Okay. Got it. Who quickly becomes her best friend. And if, if you right, watch more of it, he works for like the Dio, the Dio, whatever that was. Yeah. And it's goes to the future for a while when they introduce the league Legion of superheroes and he and Brainiac get this weird sort of, like ribbing relation, relationship, I could go on, but it's... Wow, okay. I, I didn't realize I had missed a, a Legion of Superheroes reference. I may have to go back and watch these, those episodes. Supergirl runs for six or seven seasons. They, they go up there. <laughs> All right. You get Dream Girl, who's part of the show now, and but they do not introduce the greatest Legion of Superhero character. Which is? Matter Eater Lad. Never shows up. Oh, well then, never mind. I don't want to watch it anymore. <laughs> but... Windshot... Again, I kind of like this because it reminded me a bit of the um, Mirror Universe episodes of Space Nine that I liked, which is that even the quote-unquote good people are also kind of evil too. Uh, because he's like, yeah, I'm going to destroy the Temple Gate land and just strand those people on your Earth because screw your Earth. You know, our Earth will be safe, but your Earth will be gone. Um, it's like, wow, even the good, even the heroes are kind of jerks, except for Leo Snart. Leo Snart is amazing. Well, 
I like that. That is, I, I'm going to use this word very loosely with like the biggest quotation marks it, it, ever you've ever seen, realistic, because if that is a world society that you've grown up on and that is a constant oppressor, that gives you a chance to free your people from that oppression. Like yeah, absolutely. that is anything in the end of the day is better than what you've endured. No, it's it, it's actually sympathetic, but he does the actor again presents it in that over the top way. So it's like, okay, I hear you, but also you're still kind of an asshole. So it it, it is, I think, a good pitch. And it's also not like the X Men Days of Future Past, where if you go back to your world and fix it, everything gets better. You go back to your world and fix it. That does nothing for me. Like that does right. not help us at all. In fact, that makes our job harder. Right. Yeah. This isn't a. This isn't a future. This is a parallel universe. So this this will go on regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ollie pretending again. With these kind of episodes, you, at some point you have to have one person replace the other. So Ollie comes in to to, to Nazi up the place. <laughs> And gets gets outsmarted by Paul by by Harry Dresden, by Paul Blackstone, Blackthorne, whatever. And I've, to reveal, go ahead. No, you, you go. I'm, I'm. I was gonna say is is to reveal that there is a Nazi version of the Wave Rider on this Earth. And I'm like, on the one hand, that is the most ridiculous. I was like, there, there's an evil version of every person, and there's an evil version of this time ship, which implies an evil version of the time masters. And it's like, it's like, it's just, it's, it's just the amazing over the top reveal. But also, why didn't they use that to go back in time to to stop Earth X from being overrun by Nazis? Why don't they just take the Wellen Rider? And go back in time and have them lose the war. <laughs> You're thinking way too hard. <laughs> it is rare I will say that. But it, it, I love the fact that it is literally the exact same ship with the Nazi symbols painted on the side of it. it it's <laughs> it's just not even hiding it. Budget it does have to come into play somewhere. And so like that's a an easy cut for the budget other than creating a whole new ship. Uh, Although my my biggest quibble with that scene is we've got Ollie having killed unknown number of people, fought with unknown number of weapons. He can't tell the gun he's given is empty. That's me. He's so used to using that. arrows. Yeah, but I I do completely believe the fact that Oliver Queen went in with like fourteen percent of a plan. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to sneak in, I'll pretend to be the Fuhrer, and I'll get inside. He's like, yeah, then what? Don't know. And, and I just kind of like the fact that, like, I, I, I actually like the fact that the evil doppelgangers whose plan was to invade on the Earth thought, hmm, you know there's a chance that someone might try to infiltrate us? Maybe we should be prepared for that. I yeah. actually liked that. Because I was waiting for because going, and finally I was just like, no, they knew the whole time they knew. They all knew the whole time. And I, I loved it. Didn't now this is a place where I think I had stopped watching a couple seasons ago. So I don't think it's ever came up. I did not know that Felicity was Jewish. 
I don't know if this was established before or if it was established in this episode. Because established in this episode, it felt heavy-handed. But I'm willing to I'm willing to accept that it may have been established before and I just missed it. I can't remember, but I think that it was established before. That's okay. that's a soft thing, so. I, I, I'm I'm willing I'm willing to give them a benefit of the doubt because it was like you said before. It could have been played subtly. That is not what we're here to do, and it was the it would have been the wrong call to play it subtly. It's like she's a Jew. You just shoot her. I can't do it. You're you know you're not who I thought you. Were. I mean that it, it needed to be that blunt, that over the head, because like these are Nazis. They're bad. You're never ever. We're never going to let you forget that. Mm-hmm. And it was a nice moment too of. of sort of a duality for Oliver where you realize that Oliver is willing to let the Nazi doomsday weapon go to earth and potentially kill everybody, but he's not willing to kill, not even his felicity was not willing to kill an innocent person to sort of keep his ruse. Once again, figure quotes going. Right. Right. Uh, and so to counteract the well in the light there, the Freedom Fighters send their secret weapon, which is Red Motherfucking Tornado. <laughs> and I was like, I, che- I cheered. I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh my God, it's Red Tornado. <laughs> Who slash what is Red Tornado? Red Tornado is a robot that makes tornadoes. And he's amazing. <laughs> he is... Basically, if you took data from Next Generation and gave him wind powers, you'd basically read Tornado because he will he like doesn't understand humanity and wants to become more human and wants to understand emotions, but doesn't. So he does things like adopts children and pets puppies. And so the fact that these freedom fighters are like, we're just going to reprogram this robot and shoot him at the Nazis and blow up a, a temporal gateway with a giant wind-bearing robot. And it's like, that is a perfect logical thing to do in a Nazi-controlled DC universe. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And it is ridiculous. I'm sorry. It is utterly ridiculous that neither the Ray nor the Flash can stop the Red Tornado. The Flash, I agree with. The Ray, eh. He shoots say, big beams of energy. He should have destroyed the Red Tornado. The Red Tornado at one point led the Justice League. It was for about 10 minutes, but he did lead the Justice League. <laughs> And I think Ollie's led the Justice League. That doesn't say much. <laughs> the Ray never led the Justice League. <laughs> Does it count? You even know who the Ray was. Come on. <laughs> let let. That's it. Our next podcast is going to be a special about the Ray. I don't know how we'll do it, <laughs> but maybe we'll go dig up the Ray comic book. Can I use a singular term for that? Maybe they're more popular. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, then we get to the. There's there's of course a big a big switch because all very complicated devices can be shut down very simply by throwing one single switch. That is exactly how it always works. Um, and everyone's pinned down. And so Martin runs across and gets straight up shot. And then that's the end of the episode. I'm going to say something that you're probably shocked to hear me say. I like the fact that they shot Martin. Yeah, it is. It is a going back that in a lot of comic book media, guns are usually considered nothing like funny little throwaway things that villains use for no great effect. 
they are still deadly and they can kill many of the heroes if they're shot. And this is a nice homage to show how deadly just a simple gun and an evil person can be. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that, uh, yes, technically he is part of Firestorm and therefore, technically speaking, one of the superheroes. But it shows that the generally human cast are in danger. And also, this is the perfect time to actually introduce... And we've been introducing stakes. We have not yet seen cost. And we now actually see the cost that the heroes have to pay to stop this invasion. Now, I will say, having not seen this crossover, when it got to this point, I was like, and of course, it's going to be fine at the end of the episode. Brief spoiler for what we're going to talk about next. He's not. And and it was a good choice. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, is there anything else about this episode you want to talk about? Nah, I'm good. Well in right there. All right. Legis- Legends of Heroes, Season 3, Episode 8, Part 4. Uh, the heroes return to Earth-1 and Iris, Felicity, Kara, and the others are rescued by the returned heroes and the Wave Rider crew. Jefferson is also affected by Martin's injuries, so Martin uses the serum to separate the Firestorm Matrix, dying from his wounds. Jefferson tells Martin's family of his fate. They, along with the Legends and Barry's team, are devastated by Martin's death. His death spurs the heroes to declare war on Earth-X Nazi forces because there's no reason to kill Nazis before. When Nazis attack Central City, the heroes counter their assaults. Harry, at the helm of the Wave Rider, destroys the Wellenreiter after the heroes disable its shield. Very spare thrust. I like the Christians every time I say Wellenreiter. <laughs> Barry spares Thawne and allows him to escape. Thawne vows to return. During battle with Kara, Overgirl's solar radiation goes nuclear and Kara carries her into space where her body explodes. Uh, Overgirl, not Kara's body. Uh, Oliver kills a grief-stricken Dark Arrow soon afterwards. I'm going to reiterate that. Oliver straight up kills Dark Arrow. Fulfilling his promise. After Martin's funeral, Kara and Alex return to Earth-38. Ray returns to Earth-X, and Leo decides to temporarily stay with the Legends. John Diggle shows up randomly because he's an ordained minister and officiates Barry and Oliver's weddings with Iris and Felicity, respectively. We'll get to Diggle. We're going to start at the beginning. I like the fact that half Firestorm gets shot. The first thing I think of is form Firestorm. Because that was the first thing I thought of. Like, why don't they form Firestorm? And they go, Form Firestorm. Oh, okay, good. Thank you. You're thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe if we combine them, he will stay alive longer. And that is what actually happens. But then they're like, oh, because of their matrix, now Jefferson's injured. And so now they're both in critical shape. I'm like, okay, that is a logical way to explain that. And I love when superhero media, they think like fans. It's like, why wouldn't a superhero do this? And then they do it and then explain why that won't work. That is one of the reasons that I've loved this miniseries so much. It is, it feels like someone has thought through all the different power sets and everything else to make that work together as a comic book reader and something they would enjoy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even if we go back to the first episode where Cisco makes a warp and Ollie jumps through it to get up at a higher vantage point, little simple things like that, that they use a few seconds of screen time, but it tells the viewer so much about their story. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of that, a moment that we missed in the third episode, but I also loved, is when they were planning to infiltrate uh, the Nazi base, and uh, Ollie goes, we should do recon, and Bear goes, okay, then five sec- a second later comes back, and here's the entire base. And like that is such a flash moment, where he just disappears for one second and knows it all, 
we don't need to see him doing it. Just have him zip off screen and zip right back. But again, they thought about that. It's like, why wouldn't Barry just super speed through all that? The answer is he, he does. Mm-hmm. But they call back to episode one where uh, Stein was like, I, we can separate this matrix to, so I can have a life. And now it's being used so that Martin can save Jefferson. And they spend time on this scene. And I'm glad they do. Because my respect for the guy who plays Jefferson as an actor went up a million notches in this scene. I was crying at the end of it because that actor fucking nails it. Mm-hmm. I I genuinely and sincerely believed in the agony he was going through. Like, like the, the actual lines are every cliche line that happens in these kinds of scenes, right? It's Wrath of it's 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 Wrath of Khan. It's Optimus Prime dying in Transformers. Like th- these are there are certain lines you just say at these moments, and they took those lines and they both really invested everything into those moments. And the director took the right moment to give them the space and the time to really dig into those. And so they're 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 pausing and they're awkward and Jefferson stumbling over himself, but you hear the line clearly and he looks devastated and when he tells the family afterwards he doesn't say a word but his body and his face acting can tell you absolutely everything going through his mind and to skip ahead to the the funeral also but like again when he's giving the eulogy and just can't do it and he apologizes to Stein's family and like again the lines are pretty typical of these scenes but the actor just gives an energy and a a heartbreaking depth to them that I was like I I almost it was almost uncomfortable to watch because it looked like someone who's genuinely in agony and emotional pain for having lost someone and for all of the past three episodes have been really fun superhero stuff I was just like this is some fantastic acting and I was really glad they had an opportunity for this I couldn't say it better. Yeah. And if anything, it made me more frustrated. For like, where was this kind of acting in season one of Legends tomorrow? <laughs> but they any time to ease into that stuff. And frankly, these two characters haven't had as much screen time at that point. Now they've felt the end. I was like, ah, oh, it was. I I now regret that's like, you know. I want to see more of these guys together. I'm getting tired of them now. It's like, no, I don't want to go. You know, so it's it's good. (laughs) It's it's good to see it. It's better to leave people wanting more. Yes. Yes. I was less enamored with literally every single support character also feeling that way because like they all kind of knew Stein, but like 60% of them had made me met him twice. Right. Um, And so like Sarah Lance going, I'm going to murder a bunch of Nazis now later was, I completely believe that Iris going, I really miss him. It's like, do you though? (laughs) Do you really know the guy that much? Well, if I remember right from legends though, Stein was also one of the people that supported Sarah taking over when Rip was gone. So you have that 
extra sort of oomph for her to care about it. No, I could like I completely buy Sarah. I mean, if for no other reason than it's a member of my team and how she feels about her team, that I believe that. But yeah, you're right. I know that they had built up a a personal relationship as well. So I'm like the the, the Legends team. I was completely behind uh, all that. And even the leads like Ollie and Flash, because there's been enough crossover, I can see that. It was it was the non-Legend support cast who felt like they were devastated by it. And it was just like, it, it seemed yeah. a bit too much to me. I would have expected more from Caitlyn's character, given Caitlyn should have had an infinitely closer relationship with Stein. Yeah. If for no other reason than her husband, who she lost, was one of like Stein's assistants or very close and was right. also like the first Firestorm. And there should have been more of that. But you've also got, I think they gave them all what fifteen seconds. All right, emotion, 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 emotion. Done. Let's go. Right. We and had Jefferson. Kinda, we don't need you guys to do it. And I kind of like that. Rory was just like, "Cool, it's murder Nazis." You know, he, he didn't have an emotional outburst. His emotional outburst was violence. Like that. That is correct for Rory. Do Do we want to talk about the the moment that they give Ray in this episode? Like this is his big moment. And is it? by big, I make a pun. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, his scalpel moment. Yeah. His scalpel and embiggening. And oh, right, I think right. Marvel should sue them. <laughs> Only Miss right. Marvel embiggens. Right. When Kara, sorry, when Overgrow gets, no, it's Kara gets, it's operating on. There's a nice moment where uh, the scalpel goes down and it's like, I can't get in. And so you think maybe Kara's not hit by red radiation, but it turned out it's actually the Adam who's holding up the scalpel. Uh, and pushes it back. And I was like, oh, that's right. The Adam's also on this team. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, Ray Ryder came back. And again, it's the, there's so many characters. Of course, you're going to have to take a chunk of them off screen for several episodes, right? So I was like, I'm, I wasn't mad about it. It's like, you bring them back. It's it's last episode. You get absolutely everyone together for the big fight. That makes sense. And I did, you're right. I did like the moment of, his big hand just slapping a Nazi down. <laughs> that that saying, was it. That's... It embiggens. And I'm like, really? Okay. That, that that was it. That was Ray's big moment. I, I do believe how the Ray Palmer absolutely reads Marvel comics. So. <laughs> and then you get, so Eddie, tell me who are these other legends that we meet? I don't know who they are. There's Vixen. There's... Which version of Vixen is that? Do you remember? Let's, let's no. test Eddie on the fly. No, there, there's, there's, there's Vixen. There's Steel. And then there's the other one. And that one guy. Because I have not watched this far into Legends of Tomorrow. And I don't know. I did. I was just like, I don't know who half these people are. I know Ray is. Um. So I'm glad they focused on the people that I knew because otherwise I was like, uh, okay, I, I, I know Steel because I saw that episode. And I know Vixen because I watched the animated series and there's one girl who apparently didn't have an outfit until this episode. So that was her character arc where she got an outfit. And some other guy that was blandly handsome. I I don't know. I don't know who these people are. All right. Oh, God. There are too many characters. But again, for the last 20 minutes of the final episode, that's fine. And you need them to fight all the, the nameless mook army that they'll be encountering. Right. And Which, who needs an army when you have legends? 
I swear to God, if they had one more legend reference in there, I was going to throw something. We're not heroes. We could be legends. And like, I swear to God, like the, the team name has an ellipsis in front of it because every time they say the word, they have to pause. It's like, what team are you? We're the legends. You could just say legends. You don't have to, you have to pause. Oh, I love it. It hurts, it's, hurts my soul, but I love it. Okay, so Barry is peak Barry Allen. It's like the man who murdered my mother that I have killed several times. I'm going to let the Nazi version of him go because that will not come back and cause consequences for me in any way, shape, or form. It's like, yeah, it's Barry Allen. I, I hate this. Like, this is the thing that I hate about this entire thing. It's much how I hate Batman constantly just throwing the Joker in Arkham that puts a villain out to the world that will kill unknown innocent people to come back to torment you. And at some point in time, something needs to change because you've killed hundreds, thousands, millions of people. And this is not even like a theoretical thing. He literally tried several times to murder one of your friends during this miniseries. This is not a, a, a potentiality. This is will happen. He brought Nazis to your earth. How right. many times do I get to say that? <laughs> oh, also uh, during this, uh, Harry Wells is at the helm of the Wellbrider, and then stuff happens. There's evolving ship shields, and the shields are taken down, and then they uh, they destroy the Wellbrider, and it was fine. It was it was a nice space combat scene that allowed the support cast to do a cool thing. I was perfectly happy with it. Yeah. Big boom. So overgirl, this is one that because they've been so consistent with their writing and the rules of the world, this is one that actually bugged me at no point. Did they say that these, they said overgirl had too much solar radiation and it would kill her. They never mentioned exploding. Any point in time, I'm at that point in time. It's like you know she's gonna explode, and I'll we'll take her up in space. And the whole time, I'm like, I'm trying to get invested in the scene, but also I'm like, how does a heart transplant stop someone from exploding? I feel like there's a bit here that I'm missing. I don't know. Do Kryptonian you understand Krypton? Damn it! You stole my joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe the answer should have been they should have replaced her brain with a Kryptonian implant. Maybe that would have worked better. Oh my god, I can't believe we forgot. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing on your exploding Supergirl to bring up uh, Metallo that was in this episode that How was fighting everybody. Metallo? Oh my god, yes, in the middle of all of this, by the way, Metallo. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Metallo. Why? That's, because. Because we needed someone for the Legends and the Arrow D team to fight for a while. Metallo. I mean... The one thing that would matter would have been Nazi Sportsmaster, honestly. Oh, God. Fucking Sportsmaster. <laughs> anyway, so Overgirl explodes. Kara falls back to Earth and does the Superman thing, which I think happens once every major Superman event where Superman or Supergirl or some Kryptonian falls to Earth and lands in a hole in the ground. It's fine. It's a trope. Dark Arrow realizes his wife is dead, falls to his knees, and goes, I have no more reason to live. And Oliver goes, okay, and murders him. And he was threatening to kill Ollie. He was getting up for vengeance. 
No, 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 no. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm of all the characters on these shows, Oliver Queen is the only person who could have done that. Because Oliver Queen, yes, there was a whole season where he's like, I won't kill anymore. And, and he sucked at that. He, he, by his own admission, was like, I'm bad at this. I'm just going to go back to murdering people occasionally. And Felicity's like, it's okay. Sometimes you have to murder people. It's cool, honey. And that's what you need <laughs> when a wife is someone who stands by you when you have to occasionally murder Nazis. I go back to gross point blank. A true friend is a woman to help you dispose of that body into the school furnace. Right. Exactly. Um, and again, like, you know, to, to make sure that Oliver's not undeniably right, uh, Dark Arrow does try to attack him. So Oliver is technically acting self-defense, but he straight up murders his doppelganger. And he, well, he should. And then, yeah, the funeral we talked about a little bit. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heart-wrenching. It's exactly what needs to happen there to really sell. Yeah, this character's gone, but it's comic books. So, you know, what happens? <laughs> Ray decides he's going to go back to Earth-X to fight Nazis. Leo decides he's going to stay behind with the Legends because the Legends needs a snark. And again, another moment where I was like, I kind of want to see where Legends goes after this because I want to see what how Rory handles lawful good snark. That, that seems like that would just be an amazing <laughs> choice. Brilliant. And, and totally have an affair because he's not going back to Ray. Sorry. <laughs> the one thing I'm disappointed about is like that is the okay so we didn't we, we mentioned it at the top we didn't talk about this so throughout all this Kara's sister and Sarah they had a one night stand it gets awkward Kara's sister's like I broke up with this girl I don't know where I'm like and Sarah's just like cool I was just happy to have a fun night and Sarah and they actually talk about it and talk it through and they end in a good place. Sarah's not completely dismissive of her feelings. It's just that Sarah and Kara's sister, are, I keep forgetting her name, are all on, are, Alex, are on, are on different, Sarah and Alex are in different places in their emotional arcs. And so it's, it was a really cool moments to have these two characters have a really interesting, meaningful conversation that weren't, straight people so like all these people have relationships and then on top of it there's this little thing about ray and leo who sadly do not have nearly the same chemistry that Kara, or sorry that uh, sarah and alex had um but they try and so it's like having two different queer relationships on the show neither of which involve them having a fight or one of them dying it's just they're just people trying to figure things out mm-hmm Leo suddenly decided, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my doppelganger's best friends because reasons was a bit abrupt. <laughs> but, you know, again, I, I'm not going to be mad about seeing more snart on TV. Well, you do get the moment where he's talking with Rory and there's something definitely off or down with Rory. So that is a compassionate moment. We've had Leo throughout this entire thing being a more compassionate version of snart. And so you can see that humanity wanting to help other people find their own humanity, like the hugs with Barry, the hugs with everybody. Yeah. And they're all kind of thrown off by it because it's coming from Captain Cold. Yes. And, and them being so awkward. Oh, God. It was just like, OK, I guess we're hugging now. It was so great. And how quickly everyone sort of went back to their earth. And I liked the touch of Kara and Ollie just fist bumping and everyone else hugging. Yes. 
It's like mm, awkwardness. Right. Right. Now it was it was it it again, it showed all of their emotional relationships in a very clear way. And then John Diggle. So where was Diggle? So A, uh, of course, uh, Barry, Barry and Iris have the very sensible thing of, listen, superhero weddings, are, uh, super villains always attack, so we're just going to get married now, away from everybody else, which is always the right answer. Of course, Felicity and Oliver decide they're actually going to get married now. Felicity changes her mind and decides she's going to get married now. And her, her she, to be fair, she has a, a proper emotional arc for this. It's not out of nowhere. They've been building to this. They've been establishing this. So it, it's a satisfying conclusion to that arc. My frustrations are twofold. A, it really, really reinforced that John Diggle was completely underutilized for this entire crossover. The fact that he's literally crammed in at the end mm-hmm. for a vomit gag and because he's conveniently an ordained minister. But more offensively, speaking as someone who is also an ordained minister, that's not how ordination works. <laughs> it's by state. It's You can't just be ordained to anywhere you have to be ordained by the state you're in so he cannot marry them in central city he cannot legally do that well do we know what state central city is in and it is in a different state has been established repeatedly in the flash that he is several (laughs) states away from where oliver's at because that's a running joke so unless diggle is ordained in several states he could be he's he's globally ordained John Diggle illegally performed the wedding ceremony. <laughs> that is what I'm taking away from this entire crossover. I, I, I love that out of all the death and everything else, that your thing is Diggle illegally performed a wedding ceremony. This is the hill I'm dying on, Chris. <laughs> Some things just aren't worth fighting over. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's it's a bit of a meh ending because it's like it's it's the it starts the wedding, it ends the wedding. I know it it makes perfect sense. But the fact that it's John Deal doing it just really reinforced that this is another amazing – this is so overstuffed. They couldn't get everybody in. I get it. I know all the reasons why. But like you, I'm a huge fan of Diggle, and mm-hmm. I always want to see more of him. Um, so it, it's you, – you're never going to get absolutely everyone in here doing absolutely everything you wanted to do. Um, so it's just kind of frustrating to see that this is the part where they shove him in. It's like – I would, even if they had like, you know, a moment of him fighting the Nazis, I would have been fine. You know, just one scene of Something. him. Yeah. Taking a gun or some arrows and just shooting some Nazis. Great. That, that would have been enough for me. It didn't have to be much. But the fact this is the only place they got him in. And for all I know, maybe it's, maybe it's the only time the actor had to do it. You know, I don't know. It certainly feels like it was a day shoot. You know, <laughs> like let's just get him on there because it's the only time, only day we have for him to do this. Uh, but. To be fair, it, that is the biggest complaint I have, and from the past few shows, that feels like an amazing accomplishment because we've had, we've, <laughs> we've struggled through a few of those shows. We we hit the dregs for a while. So, uh, I'm moving on to final thoughts, but I'm glad we ended with this uh, because while the Arrowverse definitely went out with a whimper, and certainly near the end there were some some very rough choices. This is a very good window into what made this special. This was a unique moment in superhero television. Uh, it was something that was 
you probably, probably never can see its like entirely again. Although I think, like you said, the MCU has the opportunity to do something close to this. Uh, but this is 700 plus episodes of superhero TV. And they, the people who made it love comic books and they love a very specific style of comic books and they were not afraid of it. And they did what they could with what they had. And all the actors and the production team seemed to be on the same page. And you could see that there's, they, they brought a level of enthusiasm and joy to television that we just don't frankly see much. Yeah. How about you? The, now that we're at the end. There are sometimes you just sum something up so amazingly. I have nothing that I could add in that just wouldn't be a rehash of what you said. Okay. So it was good. It was good. Excellent. How's that? Well, now that we're done. We uh, have but we're not done, my about. friend. We're not done, my friend. No, we're, th- th- there are no more superheroes to talk about, Rich. Chris, we've done them all, no, right? No, you know what time it is, right? It what is time, time is it now? to bring back the game. I've been waiting and waiting. Oh I didn't say God. anything purposely because I knew you'd forget. I was like, I'm not going to remind him. Let's just see what happens. And boom. So, Eddie, we finished the entire Arrowverse. We've come down to this one moment. You can only pick one, one singular hero to be on your team. McRoy. You would pick McRoy <laughs> to be on your team. Is that no? No, I just wanted to see what your reaction was, honestly. <laughs> so I, so I, I, I took notes. Jessica Jones was the first I picked last time. I don't remember my choices, but I know who I picked. So of all of the Arrowverse, uh, honestly, I probably would pick Supergirl for a couple of reasons. One is obviously she's she's a powerhouse. Um, she's got a great skill set, but also I think just on a, on a writer level, having Jessica Jones and Kara Danvers on the same team would be amazing to listen to because they would hate each other, <laughs> and it would be glorious. <sighs> I, I I could see that. How about you? So, you took my my first pick. Good. So now I would be torn because now I would be debating. Do I want to go for like sheer raw power? I know who I would pick. Last time, go... last time you picked uh, Iron Fist, right? That's that who you picked? Fuck, that would <laughs> never happen. <laughs> if I remember right, I think that that she's Luke or Frank. I think she's, I think she's Luke. I'll, I'll have to go and double check, but I, I think it was Luke. But I was close to Frank because... Frank, Frank's going to be a win, but at the end of the day, you want someone who's never going to stop coming for your people. And I'll be Frank. But for this, and I have to decide, I want pure powerhouse, which is Superman, like hands down, like their Superman here is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Do I want the, the win button? If I was like writing a comic or no matter what happens, I'm going to win. Or do I want like my, my personal fan favorite? Do you know who these, these two other slots are? I gave you the powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Who do you think the automatic win button is? Felicity Smoke. John Constantine. Johnny Conjob will always win. Crap, you'll, yeah, sacrifice, you'll sacrifice your team, but Johnny will win. Yeah, see, I, I did not realize, yes, technically speaking, John Constantine. We didn't cover any episodes with him in it, but you're right. He's part of the universe. And we cover the Constantine movie. Or do I go with my personal favorite, which we all know is Black Lightning. So if I was writing it, I would pick Black Lightning. 
Right. If I was going for a, a team that I would be on, I would pick Superman. Right. But I'm going to win. So I'm picking Johnny motherfucking Codjob, who at the end of the day will will win. He may be the only person that walks away. Right. From the, the man that can steal the man that can steal Shazam's powers, amongst other things. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't remind me. I, I'm gonna need either a scientist or a magician on my next pick to round my out because I, I have a lot of intelligence in terms of investigation, but not in terms of actual like weird shit. So yeah, I mean, Kryptonian stuff, but yeah. So uh, thank thank you for playing the game. Do you like how I didn't mention it for all these episodes? Yeah, but I, I actually went back and double checked my, my pick because I was like, I know this is coming soon. I, I knew was, I was waiting for it. I'm like, this is going to happen. He doesn't say anything. Maybe he'll forget, but I better, I better double check what my choice was. Uh, so yeah, now we're done with superheroes. So cool. Right. What's the next thing? Uh, <laughs> we're going to do the oddball, the misfit superhero shows now, uh, which we're going to okay. kick it off with the great, the legendary that has, is on his 20th season superhero show, Jupiter's legacy. <laughs> Some of those are true. Uh, so we're going to cover episodes. It only had one season. Uh, episode yeah. one by Dawn's Early Light. Episode six, Cover Her Face. And episode seven, Omens Poor Uno. I mispronounced something there, but you know what? I'm from Alabama and I accept it. It's fine. It's fine. So if people wanted to talk to you about your controversial picks for superhero teams, where would they find you online? You can find me in the Darker Who Discord, taunting Eddie with even more random. Actually, I'm taunting the entire Discord now with the best supervillain team ever the other day. Yes. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at, dar- at Darker underscore Hugh or on the Dice Camp Discord at DHS. What about you? You can find me on Dice.Camp, actually most places, as Pugstady. It's P-U-G-S-T-A-D-Y. Pugstady.com is my website. Uh, you can also find me on the Darker Hue Discord, uh, defending the Serpent Society. Uh, as, as most right-thinking people should. Come, please. If you, if you like this, like what we're doing, if you like this nonsense, please let us know. Uh, please, if you'd like to financially support us, uh, go back the Darker Hue uh, Patreon, where you will get bonus episodes of us talking about whatever Chris has decided we're going to talk about this month. <laughs> uh, usually movies, but who knows? Recently, we talked about Gross Point Blank, and that was actually a lot of fun. That, that, that was a movie that aged a lot better than I thought it would. So yeah, surprisingly well. Um, so come check us out, enjoy our stuff. But otherwise, next week we will be going to Jupiter's Legacy. Talk to you later. Be seeing you.